Welcome to Truth 101 with Dr. Greg Ammons, a podcast which examines tenets of the Christian faith in a systematic way. Dr. Ammons serves as a local church pastor and professor of theology in the undergraduate, master's, and doctoral levels, bringing years of experience into the theological arena. Now, here's Dr. Ammons. What are angels? Why did God create them in the first place? Do Christians pay too much attention to angels? Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Ammons. Welcome to Truth 101, a podcast where we look at the Christian faith and doctrines of the Christian faith in a systematic way. And We are now to the 700 series in our teachings. And in this series, we're going to look at the topic of angels, a very common topic and a very popular topic today among believers. So for the next few podcasts, we're going to look at angels, and then we move on to future series in the podcast. We will look at, at Satan and demons and bad angels and good angels, and so we'll begin by looking, first of all, at the good angels that God created. So let's begin. First of all, what are angels? I guess if you have to give a definition to an angel, an angel is a created spiritual being with moral judgment and high intelligence, but without a physical body. That is a classic definition by Wayne Grudem in Systematic Theology. In looking at angels as being created spiritual beings, they they have moral judgment and they have high intelligence, but they are without physical bodies. Let's look at that definition just a little more. Angels have not always existed. They are a part of the universe that God created. And in a passage that refers to angels as the host of heaven or the armies of heaven, Ezra says, You are the Lord alone, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts. And the host of heaven worships worships you. That's what Ezra says. Now, Paul said that God created all things visible and invisible through Christ and for Him, and then specifically includes the angelic world with the phrase in Colossians 1.16, quote, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, end quote. So angels have not always existed. They're not eternal. They are created beings. At one time they did not exist, and then God created them, and now they do exist. But what about moral judgment? Angels exercise moral judgment. That that fact is seen in the fact that some of them sinned and fell from their previous position. Uh, We're told that in 2 Peter 2.4. We're told that in in Jude chapter 6. And so their high intelligence and moral judgment is seen all throughout Scripture as they speak to people, uh, Matthew 28, 5, Acts 12, 6 through 11. They sing praises to God, Revelation 4, Revelation 5. Uh, so they're, they have moral judgment, and they also are highly intelligent beings. But they are also spirits. Hebrews 1, 14 talks about the spirits or spiritual creatures that they do not ordinarily have physical bodies. Luke 24, 39 tells us that. So angels cannot usually be seen by us unless God gives us a special ability 
to see them. Now, God did that several times in the Bible. He gave people the special ability to see angels. Uh, Numbers 22, 31, it happened. 2 Kings 6, 17, it happened. Luke 2, 13, it happened. And so, from time to time, we, we can see them with a special ability God gives us, but for the most part, angels cannot be seen by humans. Now, in their ordinary activities, they, they guard, they protect, uh, according to Hebrews 1.14, Psalm 91.11. They join with us in worshiping God, Hebrews 12.22, but they are invisible. So, from time to time, angels took on a bodily form to appear to various people in Scripture. Hebrews 3.2 tells us that. Matthew 28.5 tells us that. But in general, for the most part, angels are are invisible beings to us. Now sometimes the Bible refers to the term angel in, in, in other ways. It, it refers to angels as, quote, sons of God in Job 1 and 2. Uh, they're called holy ones in Psalm 88, rather 89. They're called spirits in Hebrews 1.14. They're called watchers in Daniel 4. Uh, they are called thrones and dominions and rulers and authorities in Colossians 1.16. So there are several different names for angels that are given uh, throughout Scripture. Now, there are other kinds of heavenly beings mentioned in the Bible other than angels. There are other specifically specific types of hum- heavenly beings that, that are mentioned. Let me give you three of them. The first one is called cherubim. The cherubim were given the task of guarding the entrance to the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3.24. And God is frequently said to be enthroned on the cherubim or to travel with a cherubim as his chariot. That's mentioned in Ezekiel 10. It's mentioned in Psalm 18.10. And if you remember in the Old Testament, over the Ark of the Covenant, there were two golden figures of cherubim with their wings stretched out above the ark. And it was there that God promised to come to meet and to dwell with His people. Exodus 25, 22 says, quote, there, there I will meet you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel, end quote. Now, Are cherubim, these heavenly beings, are they angels? Well, some theologians say yes, they're just a different kind of angel, but they're an angel. But we're never really told that. We're told they're cherubim, which may be another kind of heavenly being besides an angel. That's possible. A second kind of heavenly being mentioned in Scripture is seraphim. You have the cherubim and the seraphim. Another group, the seraphim, are mentioned only in Isaiah 6, verses 2 through 7. And in this passage, the seraphim continually worship the Lord and call out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. It's Isaiah 6, verse 3. So this is a second kind of heavenly being mentioned in Scripture, the cherubim, but also the seraphim. Is the seraphim, is is that an angel? Well, again, we don't know. Some theologians say yes, it's just a kind of angel. 
Other theologians say no, uh, it's, it's separate from an angel. It's, it's a simply a class of its own called the seraphim. But there's a third kind of heavenly being that's also mentioned in Ezekiel and Revelation both. And that is called the living creatures. The living creatures. Ezekiel and Revelation tell us of, of the kind of heavenly being known as living creatures around God's throne. Ezekiel 1 verses 5 to 14 and Revelation 4 verses 6 through 8. And the living creatures had appearances like a lion like an ox, like a man, like an eagle. And the living creatures are the mightiest representatives of various parts of God's entire creation. Of wild beasts, of domesticated animals, human being birds. So they, they are the mightiest representation and they worship God continually. Revelation 4.8 says, Day and night the living creatures never cease to say, Holy, Holy Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So we have other kinds of heavenly beings other than angels that are mentioned in Scripture themselves, the cherubim, the seraphim, and the living creatures. Now let's talk a little bit about the rank and the order among the angels. The Bible indicates that there is a rank and order among the angels. One angel, Michael, is said to be called the, quote, archangel. That's in Jude 9. That's a title. But if you think about it, archangel uh, is, a, is a title that indicates rule or authority over the other angels. He is called one of the chief princes in Daniel 10, 13. Uh, Michael also appears to be a leader of the angelic army. Revelation 12, verses 7 and 8 says, Now war arose in heaven, and Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. Seems to indicate that Michael takes on a leadership role even among the angels. So there are passages that seem to indicate there are ranks of angels and that Michael is in some type of authoritative position over the other angels. Paul tells us that the Lord will return from heaven with the voice of an archangel in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Whether this refers to Michael, uh, we don't know. Are there other archangels? We don't know. We're not told. Michael is the only one that we're told by name. So we, we really don't know. Now let's talk about names of some specific angels. Only two angels are specifically named in Scripture, Michael is one of them. I just mentioned him to you in Jude 9 and Revelation 12 as well as Daniel 10 where, where Michael is called one of the chief princes. And the second angel that is given a name is Gabriel. Gabriel is mentioned in Daniel 8, 16, 9, 21. He is a messenger who comes from God to speak to Daniel. Gabriel is also identified as God's messenger to Zechariah. Uh, Gabriel is Daniel, or rather God's uh, messenger to Mary in Luke. Uh, Gabriel answers Zechariah in Luke 1.19. And then we read in Luke 1.26 and 27, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, and the virgin's name was Mary. So 
there are two angels specifically in the Bible that we're told their names, Michael and Gabriel. Outside of that, we don't know names of angels other than, than those two. Now, another fact about angels is that they can only be in one place at one time. They are not omnipresent like God. And Scripture frequently represents angels as traveling from one place to another. Uh, as in the verse mentioned uh, above uh, where Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee. This, made explicit, this was made explicit when an angel comes to Daniel in, in 10, uh, chapter 10 and says, I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, end quote. That's from Daniel 10, verses 12 to 14. So we're told that Michael traveled, traveled to help out in Daniel chapter 10. So the idea that an angel can be in only one place at one time is really consistent throughout Scripture with the fact that they are created beings. All created beings, they're not omnipresent. If you're a created being, you can be in one place at one time. Now, God being eternal is omnipresent. But those of us who are created beings can only be in one place at one time. And that's the way angels are today. How many angels are there? Though Scripture does not give us a number of angels that God created, um, it is apparently a large number, a great number that there are many, many angels. We read, that, we read that, that God on Mount Sinai, Deuteronomy 33, 2, came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at His right hand. Ten thousands of holy ones. That's in Deuteronomy 33, 2. Uh, Psalm 68, 17 says, We also learned that the chariots of God are twice ten thousand thousands of Bond thousands. Uh, when we come to worship, we come into the presence, according to Hebrews 12, 22, of innumerable angels. And so their number is, is large. Every time the Bible refers to the number of angels, uh, there are many of them. And their number is even more strikingly emphasized in Revelation 5, 11. Listen to this. Quote, John says, I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads of thousands and thousands. So, end quote. So, that expression indicates an amazingly large number from our standpoint, an innumerable assembly of angelic beings all praising God so we don't know how many angels there are, but we're told there are myriads of myriads of thousands of thousands of angels. Now, what about uh, guardian angels? I've been asked that question many times as, as a pastor, as a theologian. Uh, pastor, do, we, do, do, do I have a guardian angel? Does the Bible talk about guardian angels? Let's, let's talk about that for a moment. Scripture clearly tells us that God does send us angels for protection. Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12 says, quote, For He will command His angels concerning you 
to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Um, interesting, though, that that's the passage that the devil quoted to Jesus on the, during his temptation. But in Psalm 91, we are told God does send angels for our protection. Now, does that mean every single human has a guardian angel? Well, that's a stretch going from that passage to say, that passage just says God sends angels to protect us. Doesn't say that we have guardian angels all the time. Some people have, have gone beyond this idea from Psalm 91 of general protection and they've gone to the point of, well, the Bible supports guardian angels. I'm not certain that that, that really happens. That, that's that's a, a kind of a huge leap. Another passage that people point to to refer to, say that we do have a guardian angel, is Matthew 18.10, where Jesus was talking about little children. And he said, in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Their angels. So because of that, um, some people say, well, there you go. Uh, every, every angel is assigned the task of protecting a little child uh, in the presence of God. Well, that may be. But again, I think that's kind of a stretch from that passage to say every person has a guardian angel. Let me give you a third passage. Sometimes people use point to a third passage to say, yes, we do have a guardian angel, and that's Acts 12, 15. If you remember, in Acts 12, 15, the disciples were, were uh, waiting, praying for Peter. Peter knocked at the door, and they said, no, that must be Peter's angel knocking at the door. Well, that doesn't necessarily imply belief in an individual guardian angel. It could be that an angel was guarding or taking care of Peter just at that moment in time, and it really wasn't a guardian angel. So, personally, I don't see convincing support from Scripture that every single person has a guardian angel. Does God send an angel to protect us from time to time? Yes, that is biblical. But the fact that every single person has a guardian angel from the time they're born to the time they die, I don't find that as having scriptural evidence. Besides, God protects you, folks. He, you don't need an angel protecting you. God protects you and watch, watches over you. He's with you. So, again, I, I just don't think that there's enough there scripturally um, to say that every person is a guardian angel. A couple of other thoughts, and, and then we'll close our podcast. Angels do not marry. We know that from Scripture. Angels were taught uh, in the Bible. Jesus taught that in the resurrection, people neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they are like the angels in heaven. That's Matthew twenty-two thirty, And that passage would suggest to us that angels do not have the kind of family relationships that we have. Uh, otherwise, it's pretty well silent on the point, but I think we can take from that passage Jesus said in Matthew 22, 30, I think, there's, I think he also mentions in Luke 20, that angels neither, uh, that, 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 they're not, that we don't marry or are given in marriage in the resurrection, but we're like the angels. So I believe that we can take from that, that, that they do not marry or have family relationships like we do. What kind of power does an angel have? Well, 
Angels apparently have very great power. They are called, in Psalm 103, 20, they are called, you mighty ones who do His word. Ephesians 1, 21 calls them powers. Uh, I've already mentioned that Colossians 1, 16 calls them dominions and authorities. So angels are seemingly greater in might and power than we humans. Um, and, and at least for the time of their earthly existence, humans are made lower than the angels. Though the power of angels is great, it, it's certainly not uh, infinite. Uh, they are not omnipotent. They're not all powerful. They're, they're, they're par more powerful than we are as, as fallen humans. But they're not omnipotent and, and equaling God's power. So don't try to ascribe to an angel power that only God possesses. Now, uh, 1 Corinthians 6.3 says, Whenever the Lord returns, we will be raised to a position higher than angels. Um, no, whenever we die, we do not become an angel. I hear that all the time. I hear that at funerals. I, I see Instagram posts. I see Facebook posts when somebody dies uh, that, that, well, they have become an angel. No, they do not become an angel. There, there is a huge difference between redeemed humanity in heaven and a created being like an angel. So right now we are made lower than the angels according to Hebrews 2.7 but in heaven we will be higher than the angels according to 1 Corinthians 6.3. So do not demote your loved one to angel status when in heaven when they die when they are greater than angels. One last point and, and then we'll close. Um, there's a difference in the Bible between an angel of the Lord and the angel of the Lord. Now, many times in the Bible it will say an angel of the Lord did, did this, and other times it will say the angel of the Lord did this. What is the difference between an angel of the Lord and the angel of the Lord? Well, whenever you see the angel of the Lord, it is usually a reference to a theophany of Jesus in the Old Testament. Usually the angel of the Lord is the third person of the Trinity who shows up in a theophany. Jesus, or the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, who shows up in a theophany in the Old Testament before he even was born in the manger. So the angel of the Lord is usually a reference to Jesus in the Old Testament. An angel of the Lord is any one of the myriads of thousands of angels that God has created. It's just, a, it's just one of the other angels. So if it says an angel of the Lord, then it's, it's um, uh, just any angel. If it says the angel of the Lord, it is a reference most likely to Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. Now, if you look at some of the passages, um, Hagar responding by calling the name of the Lord who spoke to her. Genesis 6.10, Genesis 6.13 talks about that. Abraham is about to sacrifice his son, Angel, uh, his son, his son Isaac. And it says, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and says, No, now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. The angel of the Lord appeared to Isaac, or rather Abraham. Uh, it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Jacob in a dream. I am the God of Bethel, 
where you, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me in Genesis 31. So that's, that's, that's Jesus uh, appearing to Jacob. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Clear instances that the angel of the Lord is God himself in the person of Jesus as the son taking on a human body for a short time uh, or, or appearing in visible form, invisible form rather, for a short time in the Old Testament to show that it is God himself appearing in the Old Testament. So whenever you see the angel of the Lord, it's, it's, it's usually Jesus appearing. If it says an angel, it's one of the other angels that God has created. Well, I hope this has been helpful to you. We'll talk in our next episode about when angels were created, the place of angels in God's purpose. Why did he create angels? And what are their roles? And what, are, what is our relationship to be to angels uh, today? That'll be coming in the next episodes as well. God bless you. See you next time on Truth 101. You have been listening to Truth 101 with Dr. Greg Ammons. We hope you have enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on recent sermons by Dr. Ammons, go to www.fbcgarland.org and join us next time for Truth 101.